All right, Don, you all ready for the first episode of the new year? I am, and it's the first episode where I get to have a guest on so uh, for season two, so I'm really excited. Who's your guest this time? Uh, I've got Chris Consoli. He's uh, another Canadian guest. Uh, got Mark Alverson out west in Canada, and now Chris Consoli out east. Uh, one of the guys I met at 80s Wrestling Con. Oh, yeah. You have the, the fancy car. He's got the... You have the buddies that you run into. He's got uh he restores the rings, right? That's right. He doesn't like me much though, does he? I think he likes you more. He's he's not uh you're not his favorite, but uh maybe you can change his mind at the end of the show if you sing him a song. I will do that. Maybe I will uh make a new fan yet. Maybe. Well, you have a great show. I'm looking forward to what Chris has to say. Me too. I will. All right, everyone. Episode 66 of Legendary Wrestling Figures. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures. I've got a special guest today. He's the guy I met at 80s Wrestling Con back on May 6th in New Jersey, and uh, his name is Chris Consoli. He's from Canada. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, totally. Uh, you're the first guest of the second season where we're going to go over the five LJNs from 1985. Um, but I'm kind of excited. We get to uh, talk about some cool stuff Um at 80s Wrestling Con, you and I believe it was your brother and three other buddies, if I remember right. I think Adam was one of them. Got to meet yep. you guys uh, the night before, actually, and uh, got to go out to dinner with you guys one of the nights and talk wrestling and fandom. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, how are uh, how are your buddies doing? Oh, they're doing great. We had a we had such a great time, and uh, I was so glad you came out with us that night. I think me and you ran into each other in the lobby because we were kind of hanging out in the lobby of the hotel, if I remember correctly. And then uh, we got to chatting and then I told you that we were going out for, for dinner afterwards. And uh, you had mentioned that you came all the way from California and that you were there by yourself. So I um, told you you should join us and I'm so glad you did. We had a great night, like you said, chatting fandom and sharing stories and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I had such a great time. It was really a, fantastic and that doesn't even include the event itself <laughs> yeah totally yeah well, it was pretty funny because uh we started talking about painting figures and i think it was adam who had uh, followed my account on twitter already yeah, and, and, totally. and knew about the the figure painting and so it was pretty cool because you were showing me you're like hey look at this nikolai volkoff i even put the blue stripes on the side of his trunks and i laughed and pulled up the picture of my phone where i'd done the same thing with the little blue stripes and and you're like and i'm like greg valentine i did a g and a v on his boots and i pulled up the picture i'm like so did i great minds think alike so I know, yeah I remember for, that. yeah yeah and totally cool i remember when you mentioned the modge podge and as I think I had asked you what you do to seal the paint or something. And as I was halfway through asking you the question, I said to myself, I, I bet he uses Mod Podge. <laughs> you responded with Mod Podge and I started laughing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I've started doing it on just the painted parts now and not doing it on the, uh, 
oh the just the flesh parts of the wrestlers and it because there's just a bit of tackiness to it so by just doing it on the painted parts i can have the guys kind of resting up against a wall or another figure with the paints that uh, parts that aren't painted and and not have it transferring paint so i've I found that i like doing that a little better i don't know about uh, how you're using it and i use the brush on stuff are you doing the same or the spray on stuff you know what i i bought the the brush on stuff and i painted and restored about six six or eight of my figures i have about 12 or 13 but i never got around to mod podging them because i ended up um gosh i got onto something else like it was on my to-do list and then i got some new figures so i was going to wait till i restore them and then mod podge them all together so i actually haven't mod podged any of them yet um but i have the stuff and it's just i'm just waiting to do it so uh it's uh it's on the docket kind of thing Definitely. Hey, uh, what year were you born and um, where were you born? I know you're up in Canada, but uh, wondering when you got into wrestling, how old you were and, uh, and where you, you know, where it all happened. Well, I was born in 76 um, in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, home of the first Royal Rumble, if you remember. Um, yeah. Funny thing, I actually, uh, quick side note, I, I met Hacksaw Jim Duggan for the first time uh in september at hamilton comic con at in my hometown and um it was kind of neat because he was the winner of the first ever uh royal rumble so he always mentions that and it was kind of neat to meet him in hamilton of all places but uh so i was born in hamilton and uh not sure if you're too familiar with the area it's about 40 minutes outside of toronto so hamilton would get the odd pay-per-view not too often like wrestling would come to hamilton they haven't come in a long long time I think the last time they came was in the Attitude Era. Really, it just goes to Toronto now. But um, Hamilton had, uh, I've watched all the, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon wrestling on on CHCH, WWF Cavalcade, wrestling superstars and all that stuff on the the local channel there. So that kind of is what got me into it. And uh, yeah, I hope that answers the question as far as like how I I got into it and when. yeah, what year did you start watching? Like, how old were you? Like, ten or twelve, or was it younger? I was, I was ten because I know it was right before Mania two, and it was probably two or three months before Mania two. I missed Mania one, um, like live because I wasn't into it yet. But I started watching wrestling, and then started staying up for Saturday night's main event when that happened. And I remember very clearly when uh, Bundy and Morocco double teamed Hogan, and I lost my mind, like you know, how can they do that? How can they let this happen? Like, you know, cause I thought it was all legitimate at the time and it was, you know, no, uh, no more fake than boxing or anything was right. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, not understanding it as a 10 year old kid. And, uh, anyhow, I got right into it. It swallowed me whole. And, uh, that was probably, I'm going to guess like in the fall of 85 or the, or the winter of, you know, 86. Yeah. I started watching in, uh, probably April or May of 86. So you were a few months ahead of me. And so uh, I don't know about you, but there's a, you know, there's a pretty strong contingent of fans that look on WrestleMania two harshly. And for me, it's uh, I still think it's like one of my favorites. So uh, it's just so nostalgia filled being able to watch it uh, for us. It was on the showtime on July 5th and it was the first WrestleMania that I watched. And, uh, and like I say, it was the Bundy Hogan cage match was probably the most exciting thing. The NFL 
Uh, Battle Royal with Andre winning was probably second. Um, yep. The tag match with the Bulldogs and, and the Dream Team. So for me, WrestleMania 2 has a ton of nostalgia, and I and I, I really like it. I don't know if you have similar feelings since it was the first one that you saw. I do, and I remember uh, for us, uh, we never uh, saw them live. We always had to wait for them to appear at the video store, and then we'd go rent the VHS tape. And, man, we must have rented WrestleMania 2, I don't know how many times, like <laughs> – as kids, you know, um, so yeah, it was. It has a real special spot for me, and and I can remember vividly the lead up to it. Uh, you know, watching uh, Hogan train to to repair his bruised ribs and all that, with Hillbilly Jim standing there and encouraging him and all that, and and just buying it hook, line, and sinker. You know, and uh, I was sucked in whole by it. So it was, uh, it was, it, it does hold that nostalgia spot. Like like you said, it has a special spot for me. Definitely. And that wasn't that your brother that was there uh, with you guys at WrestleCon in New Jersey? Yep. Uh, there was two Adams. So the one Adam um, was my friend, Adam Hornby. He was the one who helped me uh, restore the rings, which we'll talk about later, I guess. And uh, the other Adam was my brother, Adam. Uh, they both were there. So um, yeah. Does that answer your question, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Was he a younger brother? Was it, was he a wrestling fan also? And uh, was it just you guys or, or did you have uh, other siblings too? It was just the two of us, but uh, to be honest, uh, me and my brother, Adam, were, were good friends with my friend, Adam, who was there and his brother, Todd. And uh, the four of us really sort of followed wrestling together. Um, they had the figures we would like, I remember us borrowing their figures to play with them because we didn't have them yet. And, stuff like that. So I, I, the two families, we kind of sort of grew up together and uh, followed it together. Um, talked about it at school every, every, uh, you know, every day, the next day, that kind of thing in the playground and whatnot. Did you guys have tag matches and was it you and uh, your friend Adam against your, uh, your brothers or. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when it came down to the physical wrestling, we, it was usually just me and my brother and we would do like, battle Royals on my mom's bed when, when she wasn't home and my little sister would take part and, you know, we'd all just try to throw each other off the bed. Like that, that's about as far as, <laughs> as far as it went with the, uh, the physical wrestling, but. Uh, nice. Yeah. Usually we would be doing stuff in the, uh, at the swimming pool at my grandparents' house when we were uh, doing the, the heart foundation clothesline and whatnot. It was me and my best friend with, you know, using my brother as enhancement talent. So good times for sure. Um. Now you've, uh, you've, how many, uh, I know that you've got a really, really amazing uh, couple of rings that you've got up on eBay. So if anybody gets a chance and can look under the seller, K-L-C-O-N-S-O-L-I, that's uh, Chris's uh, eBay handle and a couple of amazing items that are on there. He's got several items. So one of the things that you guys had at a booth uh, where you had a, a booth at 80s Wrestling Con is you had a ton of uh, prints of wrestling where you you had uh, pictures that were uh, computer generated. It looked like oil painting looks of some awesome prints. I got a couple. Uh, I bought a Piper one from you. You gave me another Piper one. Um, but you've got all kinds of different paintings, um, painting looking art that you've got prints of that are real reasonably priced. The things that are really amazing on there is you've got a couple of rings that you've had signed at different conventions. One is uh, uh, signed just by Hulk Hogan. 
and another you've got 15 wrestlers on on there and the 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 guys you've got on it are pretty amazing there's hulk hogan bret hart sergeant slaughter jesse ventura tito santana wendy richter bob orton the uh, powers of pain the killer bees demolition hacksaw jim duggan jimmy hart it's it's really a cool piece of memorabilia so uh, if anybody's interested in that, there's several of the uh, the wrestlers that have signed it. Chris has um, uh, pictures of them signing it. He's got that'll be included with the purchase. He's got a certificate of authenticity with a little hologram from Hulk. Um, if nothing else, you got to go on eBay and check it out. Again, it, he's seller K L C O N S O L I. Um, I'll also have it on the cover art for this episode. But um, tell me about how how long it took to, to gather all those signatures, um, what kind of your favorite experiences were getting the signatures. Uh, it, it's just an amazing piece. So I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. So um, we had the idea of, we were selling some restored LJN rings that we restored and um, me and my, my partner, Adam, uh, we decided we were going to get them autographs by Hulk Hogan. Um, Adam followed Hulk Hogan on Twitter and Hulk Hogan's guy, I guess, manager, whatever. Um, funny that I said manager. <laughs> Put out yeah. like a shout out or whatever for, you know, if you want items signed, send them down. You know, I think it was 140 US for a signature or something like that. So we sent three of our restored mint condition LJN rings down to get signed by Hulk. And um, they signed them and uh, shipped them back. And they came with a little hologram of authenticity and a little certificate um, that they, I guess they, put on at Hogan's Beach Shop. So that was the start. So I had three rings signed by Hulk. And then me and Adam decided um, we're going to get one of the rings because we were going to another uh, convention shortly thereafter. And we're going to get one of them signed by as many guys from the LJN line as possible. That was our idea. Now, we were going to make the odd exception. For instance, Demolition, they've only got only one guy had the the figure, but of course they, as far as we're concerned, they're both from the LJN line. Same thing with powers of pain and, you know, Wendy Richter, cause she was part of rock and wrestling, stuff like that. So that was our cutoff was like 89, like the, the last of the black series LJN. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, the, the next signatures we got was actually at eighties wrestling con. I think you were there. So we walked around, we got the killer bees we got both of them. They were super cool. Um, we had a little bit of an in with them because me and Adam got them uh, remade their their custom T-shirts that they used to wear in the WWF magazine. We got custom shirts made, one for me, one for Adam, and one for Jim Brunzel, and one for B. Brian Blair, and we, we mailed them to them. And so when we went up to them, we're like, hey, we're the guys who sent you the T-shirts. <laughs> they're like, oh, thanks. They remembered it, and they had the shirts with them, which was super cool. So we had a little bit of a talking point with them. Um, the powers of pain guys were, were great, very gracious. Um, they, uh, they autographed the ring for us at the same eighties wrestling con you were at, um, funny, funny story about Bob Orton. So we, we had met Bob Orton in Niagara Falls, Canada, probably like six months before there was an event put on by the guys who run Niagara Falls comic con called beers with Bob Orton. And we went to it and you get to get your photo taken with him. He'll autograph something for you. You can ask him a couple questions, you know, have a couple beers with him. It was a cool event. We did yeah. one called beers with the dream team as well the year before, which is really neat. Yeah. But um, anyhow, so we, 
we didn't have the ring yet when we did that. So when we saw Bob Orton at AIDS Wrestling Con, we're like, oh, we got to get Bob to sign the ring too. And um, so I, I was in a bit of a hurry to try to get some of the signatures on the ring. And this is so funny. So I, this was my mistake. I carelessly got in the wrong line. And I guess I was in line for Dory Funk, who I think was next to Bob Orton, if you okay. remember. And I didn't realize till I got to the front of the line and, and I handed him the ring. And then I looked, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're the wrong guy. Whoops. <laughs> so I did take the ring back and I apologize. I felt like a dork. And uh, it was my own mistake. And it's funny because Dory Funk is no slouch either, right? But yeah. uh, he just didn't fit into that, our parameters for the LJN ring, right? So um, I apologized to him and I believe his wife was there too. And um, and then we went over to the Bob Orton line and I got him to sign it. But uh, And then uh, Sergeant Slaughter was there as well. We got him to sign it there, which was really neat. And yeah, um, also all these guys, uh, such... Uh, I, I had great experiences too. The bees were very friendly. The powers of pain, very friendly. Um, Bob Orton, you know, none of it was just really cool that everybody I met there, everybody was so kind. They sure were. And, and especially uh, warlord from powers of pain, he came over and um, I had my, so I have the car from Dukes of Hazzard, the general Lee, and I had that set up at the eighties wrestling con. Um, and so Warlord came over and took photos inside the General Lee and with the car. And he had a hundred questions for me about the car, telling me he loved the show as a kid, you know, because he's similar age as us. And so he, he, he loved the car. So we were chatting about my car, which was kind of neat. And, uh, you know, to say nothing of how big of a fan I was of his, the wrestling. So that was, that was a neat experience. Totally. Um, Sergeant Slaughter was cool because he has that one LJN figure that's kind of part of the LJN line, but it isn't because it was the mail away from Hasbro. Yeah, from the GI Joe. But uh, again, as far as we're concerned, he's part of the LJN line. So, um, but it was neat chatting with him because growing up, I was also a huge GI Joe nut as well. So it was kind of a sort of a two for one for childhood uh, nostalgia with that. So, so that was really cool. And his autograph, aesthetically, I think is probably the best one on there. He's got the uh, he did it in red, white, and blue, and uh, like three different markers. You know what I mean? And it really stands out. It looks really sharp. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he were the um I took he took a ton of pictures when I got my picture with him and he made sure that uh he had both his GI Joe Hall of Fame ring and his uh, uh WWE Hall of Fame ring on in the pictures. So, um super cool guy, very nice in person for sure. And I know you had a great connection with him on Twitter and the back and forth you guys had right before the con and then when you saw him out on the floor, I remember you telling that story on one of the earlier episodes. Uh, yeah and and that was a great story i remember i was at work driving to my truck listening to that episode of the podcast and i'm like what a great story i wish i would have known that the day of while i was there but uh, yeah it was pretty pretty surreal for sure and then uh didn't you guys get now brett hart ended up um staying like an extra hour because the line was uh all the way around the arena the entire day uh was he I think you guys got him at the very end of the day somehow, right? That's true. Yeah. So what happened with Bret Hart was he was signing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. He stayed late because the line was so long. And then once the line was done, I guess the guys, some of the guys who I don't know were running the show or whatever had like 50 to a hundred other items for him to sign. So he was there signing quite late and he was signing right in behind where my general Lee was parked. That's where they had the table set up with all his merchandise on it to sign. So when he was signing, like he was like 10 feet away from us, I, I handed one of his handler guys the ring and I said, can, 
can we get Brett to sign this as well? And he said, absolutely. I'll, I'll make sure he signs it. And Brett was amazing. He signed the ring, but he signed it like along with all his other stuff. But then when he was done all the signing, I chatted with the handler again and I said, uh, the five of us are from Canada. Could you ask Brett if you could take a photo with us in front of the general Lee, like the five of us. And the handler said, he goes, you know what? He's had a really long day. He's been here for like 10 or 12 hours or whatever it was. He goes, he's a no promises kind of thing. And I said, no problem. I, I understand. Fair enough. Like I've been there, you know, I know it's like to have a long day and just want to get out of there. And uh, apparently I guess Brett was in the washroom or whatever. So when he came out, the, the handler guy asked him, he said, there's, there's five guys here from Canada who want to get a photo with you. And Brett said something like, um, Oh, they're Canadian boys? Absolutely. <laughs> Something like uh, that, which was really cool. And he came over and uh, asked us where we're from. We're all from, you know, the Hamilton, Toronto area. So that was really special. That was cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Mark Halverson will be jealous. He's another one of the guests. I know when, uh, when I ran the contest test at the end of last season, uh, Mark was your favorite guest on the show. You said he sounded like George Lucas, and you guys had uh, rival teams in the CFL. I want to say you're a big Hamilton Tiger Cats fan and he's a fan of the Calgary Stampeders. So uh, a pretty cool connection there. It's, it's nice to have another Canadian on the show for sure. And I'm glad that that got you guys in with a, a Bret Hart picture. Yeah, it was really neat. And um, I'm glad you mentioned Mark as well. I chatted with him back and forth on Twitter. Thanks to you. Of course you, you were the, the connection there. And I sent Mark a, a, a pair of, or a set of the LJN ropes, uh, the replacement ropes that I sell. So I sent him a pair of, a set of those out and uh, made a couple CFL jabs about his team and, and vice versa. So that was a, uh, that was a fun little back and forth. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. You gave me a set of ropes that uh, last morning at eighties uh, wrestling con as you guys were leaving. And, and I want to do a quick shout out too to uh, uh, Mongrovian Mike and the busted open nation. Um, he's one of the, uh, the guys who goes to a lot of these ISPW events in, uh, in New Jersey. And, you guys, as you were driving away from the con, you saw yeah. this van in front of you and they dropped this um, busted open. Uh, it was the Dave LaGreca and the different guys on busted open their heads on a piece of cardboard, but it was signed by all these wrestlers. And you guys were kind enough to find this, uh, pick it up and try to, to chase the, the guys that owned it down. Um, you weren't able to get to them. So you were able to uh, to give me this autographed um, picture of Dave LaGreff. Like I say, it's probably about three feet wide and two feet tall. It's quite big, yeah. Yeah, and it had all these signatures on it. And luckily, when I showed it to uh, Toto Atom, Toto Atom knew exactly who it belonged to. And so we were able to get that back in the hands of Mongrovian Mike in, uh, in New Jersey. And I know that he was uh, thrilled to have it back. And it was so nice of you guys to... Uh, to pick that up and make sure that it, it got to the proper, uh, proper place. So uh, very cool of you guys to make that happen. Yeah, that was a fun little thing as we were, um, we were, we were behind them leaving the parking lot from the convention. And it was me and my friend, Adam, my partner, Adam in the generally <laughs> like an episode of Dukes of Hazard. we're driving behind them and the thing blows out the, the window or came out the window or I can't remember how they lot, but it, we saw it come off the car or out the window onto the floor. So we stopped and went out and got it. And I could tell right away when I looked at it, it was something of value. Like you said, it's like a three foot by two foot cardboard cutout with all these signatures on it. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is they didn't mean to throw this out. This accidentally fell out or blew out. So we uh, we grabbed it and we we tried to chase him down and uh, we <laughs> we must have just hit too many red lights. We couldn't catch him. And um, but yeah, luckily, I, 
when I saw you in the lobby and I was like, do you know who, who owns this? And you, you were able to, uh, credit to you, you were able to get it back to the rightful owner. Um, so I was really happy about that. I could only imagine like the amount of effort and work that went into getting all those signatures only to lose it accidentally. That would have been a heartbreaker. Yeah. I'm sure that when they got home, they were just heartbroken and never thought they'd see it again. So really cool teamwork, uh, that we all got together there. And, um, and you mentioned uh, that you have the ropes. I don't know if you've got a set of ropes up on eBay now, but you also sell the individual suction cups for the uh, LJN rings. So if people are looking for to upgrade their LJN ring, I know from time to time you have the ropes on eBay. You have the uh, uh, you can get a single suction cup or order more than one if you want to replace the suction coat that goes on the bottom of the ring post. But um, you do a really cool uh, job of restoring these rings. And um, I was wondering if you could go through kind of the process of taking an old LJN ring with the uh, stickers coming off, the decals coming off, the, the ring all marked up and with uh, traded paint and yellowing and, and walk me through the process of how you bring those back to life and get them looking like new again. About the ropes. Um, yeah, I, I would usually make 20 or 30 sets of ropes at once. And uh, I sold my last set on eBay. They sell pretty quick. I usually sell them for 25 bucks Canadian, $20 US. But I sold my last set about a month ago. I just haven't made another batch yet. But uh, I'll be doing that hopefully in the next month or two. Um, but as far as the rings go, yeah, I'll walk you through the process and what we do and um, how it all came about. It was kind of, uh, kind of interesting the way it all happened. Um, so we were looking at... Uh, buying some old LJN rings and restoring them. And we found a guy selling a lot of, I think he had 12 or 13 for sale. And he was about three hours away from where we are. He was, I know you don't uh, know the area too well, but he was out way past Toronto, past Kingston, about three hours away. So me and my friend Mike went out there and bought the rings off him. And we bought, like I said, like 12 or 13 off him. And they were really beat up. Um, you know, the labels, like you said, peeling off the ropes were, some ropes were missing, some were stretched like, you know, as you can imagine, you know what it's like. Um, so the process is, so we get home, we take all the corner, the ring posts out. That's the first thing we do. Um, sorry, take the ropes off first, of course. Um, and yeah. then we take the, the ring posts out. And you have to be careful. There's those two white tabs that hold the ring post in on the bottom. Uh, if you get a little pair of um, like electrician's needle nose pliers that have the bend in them, you can usually yeah. use them to squeeze in and then spread the tabs apart and then get someone to twist and pull the ring post from the other side and it'll usually pop out. You got to be really careful though. Um, I think I used uh, at the time a blow dryer to heat it up so it would be less brittle. So it would be a little bit more malleable so that I wouldn't break any of the tabs off. Um, so once you get the posts out, then I soak them all in a tub with hot, dishwater and uh, sorry uh water and dish soap and we scrape all the labels off uh the labels are usually half destroyed anyway but we scrape all the labels off step three is the goo gone to get all the label goop off so we do that my dad there's a funny photo of my dad on his hands and knees with the goo gone in a spray bottle helping me do that because <laughs> um, i we did them all at once right we had all 12 rings and i was went over to my dad's because he's a nice big laundry room sink so we did it there um the next step after that, rinse them all off. And then I do, um, it's a specific cleaner that I use called Vim. I don't know if you guys have that in the U.S. Um, I use the Vim with bleach. Uh, it's like a powdered sort of creamy cleanser. And I use that with like um, 
scouring pad that you would use to wash pots and pans. Yeah. And uh, I would say that gets 80 to 90% of the marks off the ring. That stuff is unbelievable. Um, it really is. Vim with bleach. It's incredible. It gets about 90% of the marks off. So once that, and Adam, my partner, Adam helped me do that. We did all 12 rings like that. And then after that, um, we had a couple rings that had actual like deformities, a couple like melted. I don't know how it happened, but they would have like little like melted spots or actual gouges in them, like an actual physical um, imperfection. Yeah. So we grabbed um, a very, very fine grade sanding wheel and uh, just buffed them out. But you have to be very careful and do it on a very low RPM because the plastic on the LGN rings will burn and discolor if you're going too fast with the spinner, like a RPM. So you got to go on a very slow RPM and do it very slowly and just back and forth until it eventually blends out. It's almost like doing drywall. Um, and then after that is the uh, the whitening process. And that's the, the video I sent you. So now I have to give uh, somebody else credit for that. So it's called retro brighting. And there's a video on YouTube. I think the guy's called, Ret um, oh gosh, I should remember, uh, Retro Restorations, I believe. And he did the restoration of the Star Wars X-Wing fighter from 1978. So uh, you take the white shell of the ring. Um, you have to have like a, a tank to put it in that has like a, like a fish tank. So glass on all sides. So you have to fill the tank with, and this is the, sort of a secret uh, ingredient, not ingredient, but a secret uh, way to do the retro brighting. You have to fill it with distilled water and make sure the distilled water is, and sorry, 7% hydrogen peroxide. So if you can buy stuff that's already pre-mixed, 7% hydrogen peroxide in distilled water, if you can buy it in the jugs like that, you're good to go just dump it right in the tank. Me and Adam had to actually pre-mix a higher percentage of hydrogen peroxide and get it down to the 7%. Uh, oh, so okay. that was kind of tricky, uh, but we got it. It was no problem. Um, the tank has to be big enough that the ring can be uh, submerged in it. Um, so you put the ring in the tank, make sure it's completely submerged and make sure this, the surfaces that you want to whiten are facing the outside of the tank. So if you can sort of picture the ring on its side, up, you know, um, on its side, that's how we would do it. And then we would just rotate it to get the okay. other two sides and you put foil over the top. And the reason you put foil on is because you have to have UV lights on all sides of the tank. And that's what does the whitening process. So we bought three or four very, not super powerful, but like sort of like middle powerful, like the black UV light mm -hmm. all around the tank. And the foil on the top of the tank just prevents the, like, the water and the peroxide from evaporating out. And it also redirects the light back into the tank. I thought the process was going to be pretty quick, but it actually took quite a while. Each ring took like, I would say, three to five days, depending on how yellow it was. But wow. Brian, it would come out crystal clean white like it was brand new from the factory. Like I couldn't believe how amazing it, it turned out. It was incredible. Yeah, the... Uh... The video, the YouTube video you sent of the X-Wing fighter, and that that alone brought back nostalgia because, of course, I had uh, a lot of Star Wars toys as a kid, and the X-Wing yeah. fighter was one of my favorites. So it was kind of cool just to watch it and see how that thing was built and comes apart. I, I was pretty amazed at, at that. Yeah. But the whitening process was truly impressive. And, uh, and yeah, and seeing your your ring in person at 80s Wrestling Con, uh, same thing. They look uh, They look brand new. So very cool. 
Yeah, thank you for saying that. And I, I really, um, they really do look brand new. And I was really surprised. Uh, the only thing I was, uh, that was a bit of a letdown was how long the process took. Because in the video, <laughs> it whitens in about five seconds. I just expected it to take a couple hours. But um, I, for whatever reason, it, it takes a couple of days. So, uh, but that's fine. I, I was all set up for that. So over the course of about maybe a month or six weeks, we whitened all like 12 rings. And uh, we can only fit one at a time in the tank. So, and then I would go down to the garage about every eight hours and rotate it one position so that the two lights would get the two sides, like the ring apron side. One, the big light would get the, the like the top of the ring, and the other. I wasn't worried about retro brighting the underside because you never see that because it's face down when the ring is displayed. Sure. So, um, yeah, it took, like I said, three to five days per ring, and uh, depending on how yellow they were, the more yellower ones took longer. But they came out crystal white. It was it was wonderful. Do you still have any left, or are you uh, down to the two that you have autographed, pretty much? Uh, we have three left, um, but they're the three that are autographed. So the one is autographed by the 15 wrestlers you mentioned, and the other two are autographed by Hulk Hogan only. Um, we thought that would be wiser. Uh, I have to give Adam credit for that. I was going to get them all autographed by everybody, but he said, you know, you might have some people who are Hulk Hogan fans, but not necessarily fans of, you know, the other guys. So, so we thought, so we have two signed by Hogan only and, and one that has all 15 signatures left. All the, the unsigned rings that we did are, they all sold uh, a couple months ago. I sold the last one about three or four months ago. Nice. And then what did you do for the decals? Did you have to have those made up special or? Yeah, I have to give someone else credit for the decals. I just got them on eBay. Uh, you can find them relatively easy. Uh, if you just look for LJN, Slingham, Flingham, make sure you always say Slingham, Flingham because there was another ring that came out. Um, Pacific Jacks did the ring that came out. I think it was in the later 80s. And there's also, um, and they use the same mold as well. So there's a lot of different decals out there. But you know, like us LJN fans, we know the decals we're looking for with the cartoon characters on them and whatnot. Um, there's a couple sellers I bought the labels off of. Don't remember their names off the top of my head because it was over a year ago, but you can find them pretty easy. Um, and they're pretty fairly priced. They're 15 to 20 bucks for a set. Yeah, that's um, not bad at all. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So I bought the labels off eBay. And uh, the ropes, uh, I remade the ropes by myself. Um, if you want, I can give you the two-minute summary of how I did the ropes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because those are something where even if you just like I bought a set probably six years ago, five or six years ago, and just having them on the ring, eventually they sag. And so I've, st I've waited. I haven't put the ones you gave me on yet. I want to wait until I actually get the ring out and, and want to take some pictures with it or something. But uh, but yeah, what's the process on in making your own ropes? So I, uh, I went to um, like a fabric supply store, like an industrial, you know, a store that you can buy like I guess uh, bulk fabric at and stuff. And I was looking for, they're called elastic cords and you can get them in all different colors, not just red, white, and blue. You can get them in dozens of different colors. And if you're able to find the red, white, and blue ones, and if you're able to find the right diameter, they're the same ropes that LJN used, the same material and the same, you know, uh, thing that LJN used when they made the rings. So I got a couple rolls of white, a couple rolls of blue, a couple rolls of red, uh, brought them home, measured them, uh, to make sure that when they're, you know, they would go on the ring with not too much trouble, but they would pull tight when, once they were um, tightened with all the uh, turnbuckles. Um, so 
uh, measure them, cut them. And uh, the connecting of the ropes was the tough part. So I got uh, to connect the ropes, um, heat shrink tubing. You can usually get that at an electronic supply store or you can find it online as well. Yeah. Um, you have to get the right size because you have to heat shrink it. So once I connect the ropes, I would uh, staple them together and glue them together. But I would already have a piece of heat shrink tubing cut about two inches long, already slid down the, the body of the rope. I would pull that heat shrink tubing over the connecting part and then heat shrink it with a heat gun. And it looks, as you can see on the ropes I gave you, it looks, it's pretty close to what LJN did. Obviously they did it in the factory. I'm doing it by hand, but um, that's pretty much what they did. And uh, it, it works pretty good. It looks, it looks pretty good. And you can't, um, uh, what's what I'm looking for. It's hard to see the, the connector piece unless you're really looking for it. The color match is pretty good. Nice. Yeah, totally. And then you got to get them, uh, if you don't get them cut right, then as Bundy's going uh, off the ropes, you might flip right over the top. So, yeah, I'm sure that's a crucial part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, you got to have, I can't remember what the length is to cut them. I'd be happy to share it. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think I'm, I'm going to give it to you in metric anyway, so it's going to be useless to all you American guys. Right. <laughs> but right. Uh, I think it was, was it 60 centimeters? I can't remember off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, you've got that set you have, so feel free to measure it and you'll have to, you know, um, you can share that if you like. Right on. And then um, now you said you had maybe a dozen or 14 LJNs as a kid. Did you have a favorite LJN growing up? I think the favorite was probably Hulk. And the reason for that was, and I'll give my partner, Adam Hornby, uh, when, sorry, when I say partner, I mean my LJN restoration partner. <laughs> We're just friends. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you have a uh, don't aren't you married? And uh, yeah, Melissa is my partner. Yeah, she's wonderful. And uh, she said, it's funny, she said, make sure if you talk about the ropes, you tell Brian that one date night you made me sit there and cut and help you make ropes for a whole night. <laughs> oh, how awesome! <laughs> yeah, she was such a good sport about it. So uh, I have to give her credit for that. Cool. But, uh, so yeah, Adam, my uh, LJN uh, partner buddy there, he um. Uh, we had, um, he summed it up best that we, we came across at a show. Someone was selling a Hulk Hogan and a Roddy Piper in the package, like unopened. Yeah. And, and, but they were selling it for over a thousand dollars. It was quite expensive, but I, I was gawking at it. And so was he, and he summed it up best. He goes, I'm looking at that. He goes, that's Optimus Prime and Megatron right there. And I was like, I couldn't have said it better. And that's the reason why that figure was my favorite because that was the Optimus Prime of the, of the set. You know what I mean? Yeah, Totally. And, and same yeah. with Roddy and, uh, you know, and that's why the, those two figures kind of have that special, that, that special spot, you know? Yeah. And then um, now with the five uh, figures from 1985, Orndorff, George Steele, Greg Valentine, Brutus Beefcake, and uh, King Kong Bundy, um, you've met the dream team. I think, I think you shared a picture with me, with me of, uh, Greg in the general Lee, if I remember right, or maybe there was one with Nikolai. I'm trying to remember. You've had a few different wrestlers that have sat in there, right? I have. Yeah. I met Nikolai and Tito Santana about, uh, it was called cottage country con, um, in about an hour North of Toronto in a town called Aurelia. Um, so Nikolai and Tito sat in my general Lee and I took some photos of them inside of it. And we had, a, they were, they were great, uh, really friendly guys, uh, told a lot of fun stories. They were awesome. Uh, I wasn't into the LJN rings at the time or that was a couple years prior to that. So I did, they didn't cross over with any of that, but, um, 
yeah, Valentine, I met him actually. He was at the same Comic Con, the Aurelia one, I think three years later. And so I got some photos of him inside my car as well, um, which was really neat. He was a he was a good sport about it. And uh, he was really humble and uh, really soft spoken, a real chill kind of guy. Uh, I've got a, a really funny Valentine story for you if, if you got a sec about uh, yeah, something definitely. that happened with me and Greg. So when I first met him, like, I'm at the show. He's at the show. The doors aren't open yet. The place is still closed and he's getting set up at his table. I'm getting my car set up for photos and all that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over and talk to Valentine. I'm all excited. I'm all nervous because I'm a huge wrestling fan. So I go over to talk to him and I introduce myself, shake his hand. I tell him I'm a huge fan, grew up watching him. You know, thank you for entertaining me all those years. You know, I grew up watching you and blah, blah, blah. And I said, um, some, something to the effect of, uh, oh, I know your, li- your line's probably going to get kind of long during the day. I go, I'm, I'm outside with the car. I said, with the food trucks. I go, if you want anything, just let me know and I'll bring it in for you. Like, you know, thinking that it would give me a little in to talk to him, right? And he says to me, he says, I would love a Diet Coke, to be honest. And I said, sure, you got it, champ. And uh, then I just continued to gush to him. And I was like, yeah, I watched you in WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3, and I remember this and I remember that. And I'm going and going for probably a minute or two. And he's just politely nodding and smiling. And, and when I was done my, my long uh, gush, he just goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that Diet Coke? <laughs> <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, oh, man, I wish one of my friends would have been here to, here to hear that. <laughs> totally. That's awesome. Yeah, he was so polite about it, but he must have been uh, really thirsty for that Diet Coke. So, But, yeah, that was, uh, that was funny. Definitely. If we uh, if we start with uh, the Paul Orndorff LJN, um, is that one you had? What kind of uh, what kind of stuff do you associate with memories of Paul Orndorff and the LJN? And what kind of five star or less rating would you give to it? I've got Paul Orndorff in my hand right now. I've got four of the five that that we're discussing today, so I've got all four of them in front of me, with exception of George Steele. Um, with the Paul Orndorff. Um, the things I like about it are it's a good looking figure. Um, Paul Orndorff was a huge part in my fandom. So there's that. Um, the things I don't like about it, I'm not crazy about the pose and because the figures don't articulate, I wish they would have had a little bit more of an action pose, maybe one arm down um, or something like that. Uh, I know he was known for his physique. So the flex is character appropriate, but for the playability as a kid, I would have wished his arms were in a little bit of a different position. Yeah. Um, I also would have loved if they put Mr. Wonderful on the back of his trunks. Cause that was uh, something that I remember from him as a kid growing up. And uh, that's something I thought uh, would have been a nice addition on there. I know, I think you've done that on some of your customs, haven't you? Yeah. I've done a couple where I've upgraded his boots and, uh, and and done the Mr. Number One Durful on the back of his right. trunks. It's it's a fun upgrade. And I did one for uh, um, Tyler that runs the Paul Orndorff account on Twitter. Uh, he requested yes, one. That, that. Yeah, he requested one with the OP on there. So I did one of those before as well. But it right. definitely dresses it up, having something a little more detail on it. And didn't you give one to? Now, Paul Orndorff, uh, Orndorff and Blair used to be tag champs out in, I think it was like Oregon or West Coast. They were, um, they were best friends in real life. So, or, yeah, you know, I knew they had a connection. 
So yeah, so I was able to uh, gift one of the custom painted ones to to be Brian Blair, which was uh, that's uh, what you did. That's right. Yeah. So it, it was really touching, and he was uh, he was super friendly, and um, and and I know he appreciated it. So it was definitely a cool experience. I remember that, and I remember uh, hearing about that on your podcast, and I knew there was a connection between the Orndorff figure and B. Brian Blair. I just couldn't remember if it was one of their children or if it was themselves, but yeah, that's, that's really cool. Definitely. What kind of, uh, what kind of star rating would you give it? I'm going to give the Orndorff figure a three and I'm a little strict with the ratings to be honest. So, and I'm going to give it a three because he loses points for the pose and he loses points for, I feel like the face is a little bit off and just that it's a, it's a relatively plain figure with no like, writing on the back or anything like that like any of the um uh, signature things that made him different from all the other wrestlers you know yeah um, totally i would give it a three out of five uh not to say uh, paul orndorff the wrestler i mean one of my favorites i love the guy but uh the figure itself i'd give it a three out of five what did you like him better in the heel role uh or in the face role Great question. To me, he was always a heel, even when he was a face. And I'll tell you why. Because after he turned on Hogan, I never trusted him again. <laughs> sure. Yep. yep. I was always waiting for him to, to pull the rug out from under me as a fan. So I, he was always a heel to me. Um, and I remember the heel turn. I remember watching it live on TV. And again, you know, believing 100% that this is all completely legitimately real and happening. Like, when he turned on Hogan and clotheslined him in the ring, I lost my mind. I was like, what is he doing? Oh, my God. Like, and I'm looking around at the people with like, are you seeing this? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, it's, yeah, uh, it's still my – The most memorable heel turn. Heel turn of all time, so. Yeah, one of the most memorable heel turns of all time. I, I didn't see it coming as a kid at all. And I remember being so excited because Hulk Hogan was wrestling on Saturday afternoon wrestling, and you never got to see that. Yeah, Hogan and, and Orndorff against Stud and Bundy and, and the week before against the Moondogs. It was a, a huge deal for sure. Yeah, I was so excited to see Hulk um, on like just, you know, free TV. And then when that happened, um, yeah, it, uh, I was I was aghast at the whole thing. It was uh, it was quite something. And what a great feud they had. I know it's your favorite feud. And uh, they carried that on for, for quite a while. And they had that huge event here in Toronto at, uh, it was the big event, I believe it was called at exhibition stadium. Yes. It, um, was the original home of the Toronto blue Jays and the CFL's Toronto Argonauts at the time. And, uh, they sold, I believe it was like the highest. Um, I think you've mentioned this on your show, the highest selling or the most attendance at a house show. It had that record for like a really long time, like 10 or 15 years or 20 years for North America. It was, uh, it was huge. It was, it was 60 some thousand people. And so I've, I always feel like it was like their test run for if they could do WrestleMania three or not. And, uh, and they passed with flying colors, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It was, I remember the, the attendance was astronomical. Yeah. What a great feud that was one of my favorites. Definitely. And then you said you don't have the George Steele, but uh, what do you think about the George Steele uh, figure? I'm sure you've seen uh, pictures of it and and uh, know what it looks like and everything. Yeah, I um, was looking at some photos of it in preparation for today, and uh, it's not a bad figure. Um, 
the things I like about the George Steele figure, I like that he's got the, like the hairy chest and stuff because that's what made him different in real life when you watched him on TV. Um, like that's what stood out. Um, and th- that they tried to do that on the figure was uh, was a nice touch. Um, the um, the face looks great in George Steele. It's really accurate, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I'm not crazy about the pose. The pose is not the best for playability as a kid. Like I couldn't get George Steele to slam somebody or whatever. So I'm going to give George Steele probably a three out of five as well. All right. And then uh, Greg Valentine's next on the list. Also kind of basic with the trunks, just like and the boots, like uh, Paul Orndorff. And this is one that you've uh, that you know a little bit more well because I, I think. Uh, it is one that you painted and you did the little GV on the boat boots, right? As well, right? I did. Yeah. I've got him in my hand right now and I did do that. Yeah. Um, the, the Valentine figure, I'll tell you what I like about it. I think the hair looks great. It looks really like him. Uh, the face looks good and the pose is good. He's got one arm up, one arm down. So you can get a lot out of him. You can do body slams or clotheslines, whatever you can get a lot of playability out of him. Um, I think they could have chose a better outfit for him. Uh, I'm surprised they just went with black on black. Now you can probably answer better than me. Was that, was he known for black trunks, black boots in that era, like 1986 inch? I sort of remember him as being all over the place with his stuff, like more flashier stuff. I think he had a lot of different, um, very basic colors of trunks that he wore. So he, um, I think he had, you know, basic blue trunks, basic, um, black trunks, basic uh, uh, red, um, pretty basic boots as well. But again, having the G and the V on there, uh, eventually he had the hammer written on the back of his trunks. So I've done a, a couple where I've written the hammer on or painted the hammer on the back of them. And he also had a, a little later on, he had some where he had the, like a, an actual like forearm and fist and hammer on the front of his trunks. But yeah, real, real basic. Does your figure have the belly button or no belly button? It does have the belly button. And I'm glad you mentioned the hammer. I've got a, another real quick Valentine story to tell you when I met him. Yeah. He, he was talking again. This was before the show started. He was talking to me about uh, using the nickname, the hammer. And he said that when he first started in, um, or sorry, when he left WWF, he wanted to take that gimmick, the hammer with him. Vince said, you can't use that, that we own that. And Greg's lawyer said, all you have to do is find a magazine or something with you on it that uses the name The Hammer that was before your WWF days. He goes, if you can produce one of those, he can't say you can't use that gimmick. And uh, Greg said he was able to do that no problem because he'd been using it for you know all this time. And so he was able to, uh, to wrestle that sort of trademark away from Vince and continue to use it when he left WWF and all his, uh, I guess, runs in the Indies and wherever else he went after that. So it was just kind of cool how he was able to, to keep that, that gimmick. Hey, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really neat. It was how his lawyer said, yeah, you just got to find one piece of evidence showing that you had it before you got there. And that's all we need. And I just thought that was neat because how often guys leave wrestling and they have to use a different name. And that's such a common thing with us fans. Like, you know, we know him as a, but now he wrestles as B, you know, and um, just an interesting behind the scenes look at that. So. Yeah. And what a petty one to argue about. It's not like Texas tornado or, you know, it's, it's, it's his nickname. It's just, man. So that's rough. Yeah. It's pretty plain and simple. So. 
Yeah. And then um, what kind of star rating would you give the Greg figure? I'll give Greg a four out of five. Um, I would say the only thing making it not a five out of five is the plain attire. Um, it would have been great if they gave that a little more character, but um, I'll give Greg a four out of five for sure. Yeah, even just the GV on each boot would have made a big difference. That and it, I always, uh, I'm always thankful that they have the the laces on the boots where you can see them. Um, it would have been awesome if they had painted them, but it does make it kind of special when you're painting these guys to to paint in the the laces and have them stand out a little bit more than the than the original figures. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's something that you do, and and in listening to your last. Um few podcasts like the last probably five or ten um you've mentioned that more than once and that's something i never did but something when i get the paint out and redo the these guys i will definitely do that uh thanks to you and also you have a great idea with the painting the souls white uh, did you do that with your valentine figure you know with valentine i haven't typically done it and when you look at the figure itself there's a lot of them that actually have the soul um specifically on there so like yeah. when you look at orndorff he does uh, Bundy has it too, but Greg's figure doesn't have a, a little line where it's actually got a separate soul. And when I watched some of his matches from back then, I, it looked like the boots I was you know, basing them on didn't have it. So with him, I haven't done it, but with George and with Paul, I have. And then uh, uh, Bundy's also look like just plain black laces and black uh, uh, soles. So I haven't done it with one of his yet either. That's right. I'm looking at them, and you're absolutely right. I can see the soul line on Bundy. I can see it on Orndorff here, but Valentine does not have it. And uh, it doesn't look like Beefcake has it either. No, and with his, um, no laces either with those uh, funky uh, uh, silver, mm-hmm. um, yeah, whatever designs those are on them. What uh, What are your feelings on the Brutus Beefcake figure? It's it's main, mainly uh, WrestleMania 1-based tights, although it doesn't have the stripes on the inside of his legs, um, but it's very similar to what he wore at WrestleMania 1. What do you think of that figure? Well, I've got it in my hand here. I'm looking at it. Um, I, I'm going to give this figure a 4 as well, and I'll tell you why. Um, it's, it's a good pose, one arm up, one arm down. Again, as a kid with the playability, that's what we needed. Um, and I love the attire, and I'll tell you why. It fit, like you said, WrestleMania 1, but it also... You know, if I didn't know any better, you could have told me this was WrestleMania two or three, and I would have believed you either one of those because it, his his attire had that uh, longevity. And the thing I liked best about it, when he changed his gimmick to the barber when he turned babyface, you could still get away with this figure saying it's that it's the barber gimmick, and you wouldn't know any different. Like it, it fits that too. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. It's not like he changed from one man gang to Akeem, and he looks totally different, and now the figure is kind of redundant this figure like sort of still applies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He still kept uh, the long uh, gloves without the fingers, uh, you know, the fingerless gloves. And he still had uh, flashy tights and boots in both gimmicks, just grew his hair out a little longer. And then he ended up having, uh, you know, some weird uh, mesh and tears and stuff when he was the, the barber, but you could definitely still use this as a baby face in your figure federation. Absolutely. And so the, the gear had that, um, sorry, the figure's attire had that longevity to it, which as a kid, um, I loved. And uh, I remember, I'll throw a little G.I. Joe reference out to you. Remember uh, Roadblock from G.I. Joe and Gung Ho, those two guys? Oh, yeah. We reissued those two figures and you had Gung Ho in the, in the Marine 
uh, formal gear, and then you had Roadblock in that alternative gear. As a kid, that drove me nuts because I wanted the original gear because that's what was on the cartoon. But the only figure I could get at Toys R Us was this new alternative. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so it's almost like uh, it made the figure like it made it redundant because they changed the, the look of the figure. So beefcake to me, was the opposite of that. It was, it had the longevity. It kind of always applied and always worked for his character. So I love that. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever gone back through your GI Joes and put new O-rings in them yet? I haven't. Um, I only, I, I don't have any of my old GI Joes. I only have the one that I bought cause it was my favorite guy. It was the green laser trooper sci-fi. Do you remember him? Yes. Yep. So he was my favorite. I, I got him as a kid, and he just looked neat with the with the neon green and the silver. He just was so cool looking and different looking. Um, so when I was at uh, actually Toronto Fan Expo, which is like the Toronto Comic Con, um, I saw him of one of the merchants selling old GI Joes, and he had that figure. And so I kind of bought it just out of nostalgia's sake. But uh, and I was gonna paint it and restore it just like I do the LJNs. But uh, I absolutely will do the O ring thing, and we can chat about that like off the air, or whatever. But uh, Definitely want to do that and take you up on on the how tos for that uh, another time because that's a, a wonderful idea. I wish I knew about that as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing was when I you know brought all my GI Joes home um, a few years ago, they're all just loose, and those O rings just over the course of thirty five, thirty six years, they just deteriorated in there. So, um, so yeah, I did uh, about one hundred and ten of them in a over the course of a, a day and a half or so. And, and it was a fun project and now they're like new again, but they're up in storage. So, you know, maybe they're getting close to needing them again. Who knows? But um, final, the, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that's such a cool story about the GI Joes. Did you ever get into painting or restoring any of those? No, the, uh, the only paint projects I've done are uh, LJNs thus far. I'm a little, uh, I, I'm, skeptical of my abilities to do them on such a smaller scale as the GI right. Joes. So, yeah, me too. And for that exact same reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last of the five that we're looking at is King Kong Bundy. Now you've got a, uh, a little bit uh, uh, more special King Kong Bundy, King Kong Bundy LJN than most. Tell me about yours. So mine is autographed by King Kong Bundy and I did not get it autographed myself. So I wasn't there when it was done, but um, so it's autographed across his chest, which is really cool, but it's an older autograph and it's about like 50% faded. Uh, like the flesh color is starting to show through. Um, I know it's an authentic autograph, so I, I have no question about that. Um, I'm never going to sell it. I'm going to do the restoration on it. I haven't restored it yet. And I guess my question to you and also to the, maybe Mark Halverson and some of the other LJN restorers would be, what should I do about the signature? It's half faded through. Um, should I go over it with a black marker? I know that's sacrilege in the world of autographs, but if I'm never going to sell it and it's only for me, do I not want to be able to see it? You know what I mean? Cause it's kind of faded or do I just modge podge over it to sort of protect it and leave it as it is. Or I'm kind of on the fence as to what I should do about that. And I'm, I would be the same way. I would be so, unable to make a decision but uh if anybody wants to reach out to chris it's on twitter it's at c-o-n-s-o-l-i underscore k um 
and and you can uh, give your comments or you can also contact me at legendary wrestling figures at gmail.com and i can uh, pass along any advice you have uh legendary with the j in there instead of a g but um but yeah it's one of my favorite figures it's probably top two with piper for me um what do you uh what are your feelings on this king kong bundy lgn i love it um alta i love it uh, for two of the reasons that you do. Number one, because he was in the main event of Mania 2, which was my first big event that I was a part of as a fan. Uh, so he was a big deal for me. Um, and the other reason I love it is I feel like it was the first big guy of the figures. His body is so big and so different than all the other ones. He really stands out. And you have you had other big guys that had been issued, like Andre and whatnot. But at that point, like the Andre figure looked kind of slim. It didn't really – not that Andre was like a fat guy, but it just um, – the Andre figure was comparable to some of the other figures, whereas the Bundy figure is, is not comparable to any of the other figures. Um, it looks so different, and it really stands out. So that's my favorite thing about the Bundy figure. Totally. What the, uh, the weight and just the size of it. What kind of uh, star rating would you give King Kong Bundy? You know, I would give Bundy probably a three and a half because it's such a great looking figure. Um, the pose, again, he's like in the George Steele pose. He's got both arms down, which again, as a kid, I would have preferred one of the arms up so I can get more moves out of him. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and I love that he's in that position because that was kind of the, it, I picture him as doing that with the avalanche with the arms down. He kind of did it like that, if I remember correct. But um, uh, I would have preferred a, a slightly different pose. But other than that, I'll give... Uh, King Kong Bundy a three and a half for sure. Very nice. Yeah, he's uh, he always was so um, perfect for having either Hulk or Junkyard Dog uh, slam him. Also, just uh, uh, good uh, good pose for getting a slam. Yeah, for sure. Well, my friend, I uh, I really want to thank you for taking the time out to uh, to be on the show with me, and I want to thank you for. Uh, those ring ropes from May 6th and for inviting me to hang out with you and, and your brother and your buddies and uh, wish you guys all the best. Um, This ring that you guys have on eBay, uh, it's not $5,000. It's it's, it's not $10,000. If you're spending American money, you're at a very reasonable uh, $16 to $1,700 American, including shipping right now. But if you get a chance, you got to just look at them, if nothing else. Uh, again, search for seller K-L-C-O-N-S-O-L-I on eBay, and you can check it out. It's just an amazing piece, even if you just want to check it out to look at it. And um, and again, I, I wish you all the happiness and, and uh, prosperity for this uh, 2024. And thank you so much for being on the show, Chris. Thanks, Brian. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, one of the things I love most about your show is you 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 um you spotlight a very niche interest of mine, which is the LJN figures that I grew up with. But you also put that human touch into it, where you talk about Christmas and being with the people you love, and um, you always tell little personal stories at the beginning and at the end, and and it it puts such a human spin on it that it really makes it um it comes across as really heartfelt and it makes it really accessible to people. And uh, I really appreciate that about you and uh, really enjoyed all the time we spent hanging out at the eighties wrestling con and um, hope to see you at the next one. Are you planning on going to the new, the one this year? 
you know, I don't know that I'll be able to pull it off two years in a row just with the expense. And uh, so I'm, I'm guessing I'm not going to make it this year uh, flying across the country. Um, hopefully somewhere down the road, I will be there. Are you going to uh, bring the General Lee and your buddies and go to this one on uh, May the 4th in Totowa, New Jersey? Or uh, Morristown, New Jersey, are you going to be there again for 80s Wrestling Con? May the 4th be with you, or may the 4 be with you when they have the horse, uh, three of the four horsemen there. They're going to have uh, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, J.J. Dillon, Baby Doll out in uh, at 80s Wrestling Con in New Jersey. We are going to go. Um, we're going to go, but just as patrons. We're not going to bring the car down. Uh, we're just going to go and just uh, uh, just to be there and get some autographs, buy some stuff. Um, but I don't think we're going to have a booth this year. Um, the uh, That's probably what we're leaning towards. But, I mean, anything could change. I haven't heard from Tommy. Maybe he wants me to come down with the car again or whatever. The car was kind of a kind of a big hit last year, and it, it's kind of interesting in the way that it, it sort of crossed over as far as pop culture and timelines go. I mean, 80s Wrestling Con and Dukes of Hazard, you're in that same wheelhouse, you know, um, of pop culture timeline. So, and um I think there was some crossover there. So some people were surprised to see the car there. They thought it was a neat addition. And, uh, um, but yeah, uh, don't plan on taking the car down, but we do plan on going and uh, I'll be in touch. I'll let you know if we're going and, and all that sort of stuff. Sweet. Yeah. I think uh, Jake Roberts is going to be there also. Demolition's going to be there again, powers of pain. So you'll be able to uh, see the, some of the guys that you've had connections with previously and maybe meet a couple new guys as well. Yeah, it would be really great to, uh, we haven't sold the ring yet, the one with all the signatures. We're going to try to get Jake Roberts' signature on there. That would be great. Yeah, and totally. An awesome addition to that. So, Well, hearing how much work goes into restoring them, and I know how difficult it is to track down all these signatures, I feel like if somebody out there is a serious c- collector and sees that, somebody's going to jump on that and, and find it to be a deal. Um it, you know, it, it's not cheap to, to get signatures, um, but just tracking them down is such a lot of effort and cleaning it up, obviously, is a lot of effort, too. So uh, hopefully somebody will swoop that up soon. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it, each ring uh, took a while to restore it. And as I walked you through the steps and, of course, like you said, tracking down the signatures is tough. And you made a point on one of your last podcasts. Um, sorry, maybe not your last one, but in the last five or ten where uh, – the LJN figure line has just reached the tipping point where more of those people in real life have passed away than are still with us. And that's kind of heartbreaking. And at the same time, it makes you realize, and I think you touched on this as well, how hard it is to get those signatures and because there's less and less of them available. So um, yeah, I hope that, uh, you know, whoever buys it really uh, appreciates it for that. And uh, um, I hope that, uh, you know, we don't have any, wrestling desk this year that would be wonderful but uh fingers crossed and if uh if somebody d- does want to pick up an extra set of ropes um from you directly is it okay to give out uh i i have your twitter that i've given out is it okay to give out your email address also yeah absolutely feel free to um I so it's so okay yeah. consoli so k c o n s o l i at c o g e uh c o dot ca right so it's k consoli at co dot ca that's me you got it yeah so k k sorry 
K-C-O-N-S-O-L-I at C-O-G-E-C-O dot C-A. You can contact Chris directly if you want to uh, bypass eBay and hit him up for uh, some ring ropes that he'll be making again soon, or you need a suction cup for your LJN ring, or you want to see what kind of prints that he has. He's got um, these art prints that are uh, he's got Princess Bride. He's got Star Wars. He's got all kinds of different prints that he's that he's done, where it, it looks like an oil painting that he's done digitally. They're they're super cool and they're very reasonable. So hit Chris up for those and check out that ring on uh, on eBay if you get a chance. And again, I, I thank you so much, Chris. It's uh it's been fun and and such a a great uh, great experience getting to meet you out there at 80s Wrestling Con. I hope you guys uh, have a great time when you go again this year. Thanks, Brian. It's been awesome chatting with you, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. The time has just flown by. Awesome. Say hi to all the guys for me. I absolutely will. All right. Okay. Take care, Chris. Thank you. Thanks okay. again. And uh, you, Brian. totally. Um, thank you all for listening uh, to another episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures. Hopefully, we'll be back on again soon with uh, episode sixty-seven. Um, everyone out there, uh, thanks again for listening, and take care. Well, that was a pretty nice show, Brian. I think uh, Chris did a very good job. I think so, too. It was a lot of fun. You know, you uh, you didn't quite represent the price on his ring correctly. It's actually less expensive. Well, how much less expensive? How much was I off? You said sixteen dollars to $1,700. He all the way across the country... From you, across the continent, I should say, he from Canada. But for you, right now, it would be right around fifteen fifty to get it shipped with tax and everything. Okay, so when I said sixteen to seventeen hundred bucks, it's probably going to be a little less than that. That is correct, a little less than that. Well, great. Thanks for letting me know. Thanks for letting the listeners know. No problem. I've got to keep you in line, you know. Sometimes you overlook things, and I, I'm here to help out. I appreciate it. What are you going to sing for uh, for Chris today? Well, we'll see. Uh, I think he might be an Elvis guy. I try, uh, maybe I'll try an Elvis song. How'd that sound? Sounds good. Let's hear it. All right. Before I do, I just want to say... Uh, check out Eddie's Wrestling, the podcast with uh, Jumpin' Jay, Tommy Fierro. Also listen to Buried Motives from uh, Mark Alderson's wife. It's about true crime. Check out Drew and Caitlin Vincent's show, Tales from the Estate. Listen to Tim from uh, A Chair Shot. He's got that show, Pulling Up a Chair. And... Uh, also listen to Brian Breaker's shows. He's got the Saturday Morning Rumble Reel. And he's also got TV Toycast. That one he does with Jeff. Jeff Toon. Jeff Toon is the brother, real life brother, not cafe brother, of Scott Toon. And they do the fully posable wrestling figure podcast. The longest running wrestling figure podcast that is episodic. So check out all our friends' shows. And also, Happy New Year to all the other old guests. Five Star Eric, we got a birthday coming up. Also, Nate at Ringskirts, Evan Ginsberg, Toto Tom, 
and uh, Diego down in Florida, Matt in Massachusetts, Brett in Arkansas, Matt, Sam, Farfather Brian, Eric Munez, Eric Elman, Pistons, Pro Wrestling Fan, Good Brother Mac, Jason Wolf, Steve Hawker, Circus Bear Ken, entirely over at uh, Paul Orndorff Twitter account. Thank you all for your support. Happy New Year. Here's your song, Chris. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising. Mm-hmm. Higher and higher, it's running through to my soul. Girl, 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 you've gone and set me on fire. Mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, I don't know which way to go. Mm-hmm. Your kisses lift me higher. Like the sweet song of the choir You light my morning sky with burning love Mmm Ooh, 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 I feel my temperature rising Mmm Help me, I'm flaming, I must be a hundred and nine Mmm Burning, burning, burning and nothing can cool me Yeah I just not turn into smoke, but I feel fine. Yeah, cause your kisses lift me higher, like the sweet song of the choir, and you light my morning sky with burning love. He's coming closer, the flames are now leaking my body. Mm. Won't you help me? I feel like I'm slipping away. Yeah, it's hard to breathe, my chest is a heaving. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy, I'm burning all where I lay. Yeah, your kisses lift me higher. Like the sweet song of a choir, you light my morning sky with burning love, with burning love. I'm just a hunk of hunk of burning love. I'm just a hunk of hunk of burning love. Oh, hunk of hunk of burning love. Oh, hunk of hunk of burning love. Oh, hunk of hunk of burning love. I'm just a hunker hunker burning love. A hunker hunker burning love. I'm just a hunker hunker burning love. Oh. Thank you all for listening and uh, go see that Von Eric movie. It's really good. Make you think about all the people you love. Take care.